What's going on, everybody? Real quick before I start today's show, I just want to give a little listener discretion. Some of the topics that we get into today are a little dark and heavy. So if you're a parent out there, maybe you usually listen with your kids, just giving you a little fair warning that it does get a little bit dark. So with that being said, enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Contact Podcast. This is the first time that you're listening. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I know there's so many different platforms and um, avenues that you go to for your media. So for you to take the time to listen today, I'm extremely grateful. Um, I'm extremely honored to welcome today's guest. He's a journalist, author, podcaster, TV host. He's contributed to various news publications ranging from Fox News to the Washington, New York, and Huffington Post, among others. He's a former faith editor at The Blaze, husband and father of two. The list goes on and on and on. But I told him I wouldn't take too much of his time, so I'll just stop right there. Um, but I'd like to welcome to the show for the first time, uh, Mr. Billy Hallowell. Billy, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I'm excited. How's your day? How's, how's things going? How's life going? Life is crazy. I feel like, <clears throat> you know, I think everybody relates to this too it's like coming out of this weird time the last couple of years no matter how normal things were it was still weird for people right depending on where you lived and what the policies were and yeah i yeah. think i think we're all still kind of navigating the strangeness of it and then just oh, the yeah. normal busyness of life you know oh yeah for sure for sure you're in new york right i am yeah so we you know my experience is different from a lot of other people's experiences i'm uh -huh. sure and then even California, their experience was different from yeah. even New York. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild few years. It really has been. It's been a crazy time. I feel like the thing that it's it's really real to me the most in me starting this podcast is I feel like it's given people time to kind of slow down and kind of realize the things that are m more important, you know, I mean, than the hustle and bustle. Just give everybody the chance to kind of sit down and relax and kind of reevaluate their lives a little bit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And and. Yeah, that time that everybody had in the beginning of it where things were very, very shut down for a lot of people, yeah. especially in New York, because we were the epicenter of it. So in the beginning, before it was like political and there was so much fighting, everybody mm. was kind of home with their families. Right. Yeah. It was it was interesting because I don't I mean, I don't think there'll ever be another time in our lives where there will be that kind of closeness. Right. So um, where you're just constantly together all the time. And so I learned a lot through that. And I think. I think a lot of us did. And no matter where people stand on the different elements of it, it makes you think about the things that matter in life. Right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, I, we, I, yeah. Um, with all, all the stuff that I read about your your bio, I think the most impressive thing is, like I said before, you being trapped at home with three women three girls, right? Cause you have two daughters, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. We, you know how we survived it. We recorded a daily video of what life was like, because we had also gutted our kitchen out. We were getting a new kitchen uh -huh. a week before the shutdown. We had no okay. idea that was going to happen. And so we had no kitchen for six weeks while oh, we were trapped inside. That's and fun. so, yeah, we made a video every day. We have like 55 videos. We did 55 days of what that was like. And it was crazy. So, so y'all ro so robbed the storyline from 51st States and took the <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, basically it was like Groundhog Day and 50 oh, God. Yeah, there you go. Um, um, so like I said in the intro, Billy is an author. Um, he's written four books, one of which we'll be diving into a little bit today, being his most recent book. It's entitled Playing with Fire, A Modern Investigation into Demons, Exorcism, and Ghost. But before we get too deep into this book, we have to start off things the same way we do anytime we have a guest, and that's the big three. So the big three, Billy, is basically it's just three random, goofy 
off the wall questions, but these are burning questions that the listeners are dying to know. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. So the first one, like I mentioned earlier, um, Billy is a father of two. So what song or show did, or maybe they start, they currently still do drive you crazy with on repeat? Oh, okay. So they don't longer, they no longer watch it cause they've gotten older, but Caillou, I don't know if you remember that. It was <laughs> yeah, the most Caillou. awful, terrible thing that on the face of the earth. I'm sorry if the people who created Caillou are listening, but it's terrible. And I noticed that they would whine like Caillou. So oh, you know, it was horrible. And but we survived it and we've moved on. But yeah, that that is the answer to that one. For sure. I feel like that's a little before their time. Your girls are young, right? They are. They're well, they're 10 in well, they're gonna be 10, and one is nine and one is six, but uh-huh. somehow they found it. Wow. Well, YouTube. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. and back then we didn't realize we had cut we've cut them off from YouTube kids, so it doesn't work mm-hmm. in our house. That's how we worded it. Does not work in our house. Um, there but that was exactly where they found Caillou. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, my my daughter's uh well, I only have one daughter, but she is all the time on YouTube. So she she doesn't even know the difference between YouTube and you know, regular TV. Exactly. So she she yep. sees a YouTube video, she thinks that's a movie star, you know. Yep. You need to block Caillou, whatever you do. So. There, there's not really a whole lot you can actually let them watch on YouTube nowadays with the ads and stuff that pops up. I know, you know I know that's it's yeah. crazy. Okay, yeah. so um, so the second question is: Do you wear socks with sandals? I do not. You do not. I'm shocked at that. I know. I should, but I don't. I should just because it. You know what? I mean, what I can go on a whole tirade about sandals, but but yeah. sandals are they're comfortable enough. But with socks, they would be really comfortable. In college, I did, but I don't now. As an yeah. Adult. Well, okay. So question number three. So if you had to choose to be subjected to one of these, okay, would you rather have gauges or a nose ring? Oh gosh, a nose ring. A nose I, ring. I, I just <laughs> there's something about expanding a part yeah. of your body that uh-huh. is not meant to be expanded. And you know, <laughs> I know that there are lots of people who and I just have a lot of irrational fears about like bumping into it and having my ear oh, God. or something. I know I won't go. Yeah, into I couldn't I couldn't do it. So all right. So that's the big three. Um that's just to kind of get a warm up. So um what I'm hoping to accomplish today is basically summed up in Ephesians five eleven, which says take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Mm-hmm. So like I said, Billy is the author of um, playing with fire, modern investigation into demons and exorcism. So how did you get started with a book like this? Cause you don't just wake up one morning and say, you know, I want to write a book about demons. Yeah. I mean, I did. And I did not want to write this book and I can tell you that. And now I'm so grateful now that, that I have, and that it's been such an amazing experience, but you know, I, I am a firm believer that we shouldn't do anything unless we feel called to do it. And absolutely, but, but I didn't always live that way, you know, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, so I kind of embarked on this media career a long time ago. And, you know, it's really easy to get kind of wrapped up into making it about yourself and making it about advancing. And, you know, God gave me a number of really great opportunities. And one of them was to work on a book about the end times. And that was the first book I wrote It was called Armageddon Code. And that book got me really thinking about as a Christian, you know, the tough topics in the church that don't get talked about enough, or that maybe yes. aren't talked about the right way. So I'll cut out a lot of the other info just to say that this idea of, because I had done an end times book of looking at evil, mm-hmm. I had always really enjoyed watching scary movies and you know, things yeah. like that. Now I, I have a different view on a lot of that now, but, but, you know, it was something that was in my mind and I was granted a, a book deal to do this very thing years, a few years ago. And I mm-hmm. actually rejected it. 
I prayed oh, wow. about it and I said, I'm not going to write this book. I don't feel right about it. And so mm-hmm. flash forward a couple of years, God just really, you know how there are things that happen and you're like, well, God wants me to do this. And Absolutely. I, oh yeah. I don't want to do it. And I'm so I, you know, I had said no the first time Thomas Nelson, I had a failed book proposal that was, that was out there about politics and nobody mm-hmm. wanted it. And they, and Thomas Nelson, uh, part of that publishing house, they called and they said, we want to do something with you. And I was not prepared for the meeting. And I mentioned this old idea that I yeah. had had, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is a proposal I put out there and I was offered a deal, but I chose not to do it. And I'm sharing this with them. Long story short, mm-hmm. I didn't even fill a proposal out. They wanted to do this book and oh, wow. it was crazy. So they, they, they really wanted to explore it the right way. It's a tough topic. Yeah. And I sat on that book contract for two months because I was afraid to write it. I did not want to dive into looking at evil and looking yeah. at these things. And and now that I look at it and I laugh at myself because I was afraid and I shouldn't have been as Christians, mm-hmm. we have authority over this stuff. Why was exactly. I so afraid? Because I didn't understand it. And so anyway, I took the plunge. I, I prayed and I mm-hmm. dove in and it was really the most peaceful experience actually, you know, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one thing too. I mean, you spoke about, you didn't want to do it. I think Satan often uses those times in our lives where we're not sure of something, you know, to really try to press on that, to make us think, okay, you definitely cannot do this. You know what I mean? He tries to prey on our insecurities, things that we're worried about and just pounces on those and just makes it seem like it's so much bigger than it actually is. But like you said, we have authority through Christ. So, I mean, that's good. Like, like you said, um, this is a topic that's not brought up in churches. So um, I read your book last year. And one thing that I felt like stood out to me and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like the stories were often, at least the first couple were kind of like swept under the rug or just like played like it was maybe fake or too crazy to be real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was that, was that the case? You know? Yes. Because the, the idea was that some of these stories are so outlandish and they're so bizarre. Right. And also at the start of the book too, and people will notice this, it it talks a lot about Hollywood. And I think that, the purpose of that, because Hollywood takes these ideas and they make them very outlandish, right? Mm-hmm. But when you go back to scripture, and 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 this is sort of meant to kind of ease people into the topic, the events are insane. I mean, the, the yeah. times that Jesus is healing people from possession, you've got, you know, people walking around. You got one guy who's naked and, cra- and crazy <laughs> and yeah, yeah. has like superpower, you know, mm-hmm. strength. Um, you've got really tragic stories, a little boy being thrown into fire and, and yeah. being drowned, you know, almost drowned by these demonic entities. So, so yeah, Hollywood's not approaching it from a scriptural lens, but the mm-hmm. idea that, that, that this stuff is just not crazy is a little crazy because it is, some of it is crazy, but not all of it. And so, yeah, that absolutely, you know, the idea was to kind of ease people into this by shocking them and then moving into, well, what is, what does the Bible really tell us about? Yeah. Kind of like giving context to it. I think it was, um, I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said that Satan loves for us to look at him like basically as a cartoon character, you know, dressed in red with the horns and the pitchfork, right? Like he likes to be seen as almost like comical to appear like he's not really a threat. And, you know, in that confusion, he can cause the most chaos. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, and that's and that's what he does. You know, I can't tell you how many people were very negative about me writing this book. You know, people around me people who I knew and, and the idea that they had, you know, I think, which was inaccurate was that somehow this was offering, you know, praise or attention to Satan, mm-hmm. my view. And I think, and I think, I mean, I don't think I know scripture backs this up. I mean, Satan loves to hide in plain sight and to absolutely. Just be, and look, uh, those crazy Bible examples, right? 
that is not the norm of spiritual warfare. Like that is not mm -hmm. the norm of spiritual warfare. I mean, look at our culture right now. Literally, it's crazy town. Everybody is confused. And mm -hmm. the things that we know are true have been twisted to feel good and to look good, even though they're not. And that's mm -hmm. how Satan operates. I don't think, you know, to me, knowing the fact that Hollywood talks about a church topic more than a lot of churches do, yeah. to me, that I felt a responsibility to then dive into this topic that I don't think we're talking about enough because guess what? Even in the church, we're pretending like this isn't a problem. And that is how Satan operates in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I had a discussion with a guy not too long ago and he he was really preaching that that the devil was just having too much fun in churches. You know, he feels too welcome in there. You know, he's not, there's not the fear um, from the Christian, you know, that is realizing, like you said before, the the authority that God has given us over you know, those type of things that we're <clears throat> yep. not, you know, we're not tapping into that, you know? Um, yep. So I have a lot of questions. So I'm just going to throw, throw them at you as fast as I can. So hopefully that's okay. Yeah. Go for so, it. so when you did your research and interviews and all that was involved in making this book, did you yourself feel any spiritual attacks looking into such a dark, uh, dark subject? You know, it's interesting. I didn't. And I'll tell you, I didn't while I was doing it. Uh, something yeah. happened the day that my agent called me about the book that was very strange. And mm -hmm. I've shared it a couple of times. But but during the process, I made a real commitment because I wasn't really waking up having quiet time reading scripture. Even if I I mean, my my routine is to wake up and read a chapter in the Bible. Right. Mm -hmm. and pray. Yeah. That's my routine. You know, and should I do it for two hours? Yeah, I wish I could. I don't always, but I always start my day that way. It's what I do before yeah. anything else. But I wasn't doing that before I worked on this book. I was doing it once a week, once every two weeks. I was mm -hmm. consumed with work. The first thing I would do is pull my laptop out and, and write an article. Or yeah. And so when I committed to do this book, I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make sure that I am in the best spiritual place that I can be. And I have not deviated from that since. So that was a really That's amazing good. thing. And that really gave me peace. And, and so I have to say, oh. no, I mean, a lot of people ask that quite like you should be getting it. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, I don't know that I should be because I actually feel like I'm, I'm doing the right thing here. And I think it yeah. was really a project that God wanted me to work on and that he set me on that path. And so I felt very protected during it, but leading up to it, there were some things that, you know, there's things that happen and you're like, there's no way that happened. There's something mm -hmm. else going on. And so, and I'm happy to share that if you want, but, but it was a minor thing, but it was a very strange. Yeah, thing. go ahead. Go ahead. If you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Care. You know, I was, so my agent called me and I had told you in the beginning that, that the way this happened was I didn't even fill out a proposal. So the idea that my agent was calling to tell me that they wanted to offer me a contract to write this book was bizarre to me. And so mm -hmm. my phone rings, my wife happened to be home. We had a friend who had died after college, who we were friends with in college. He wasn't a believer. And it always kind of bothered mm. me because I, I was like, you know, we should have had him over. We should have talked to him. Yeah. You know, so this particular friend now we're talking, it's been years since we we would have called this person or talked to them on the phone. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't have even had their number. We would have thought in our phone anymore. And so my wife was upstairs watching TV. I was downstairs. My phone rings. My agent's on the line telling me this news. And at the same time, she has no idea that I'm on the phone. At the same time, he's telling me this about playing with fire. Mm -hmm. she texts me from upstairs and she's like the weirdest thing just happened she's like i'm watching tv and all of a sudden siri goes off on my phone and says do you really want to call and then says the name of our friend who died 
Whoa. And, you know, and I said to her, and it just gave me chills in that moment. Yeah, that, that was, gave me chills just now here. I know. <laughs> I'm like, you have no idea. I'm on this phone call right now. And I'm like telling her this, like I'm trying to text it to her wall, you know, and and we just like it was it's one of those weird things. And I do think that this this had happened to me a couple of other times in covering stories before working on the book. You know, I I haven't had anything like that happen since. I think it's mm -hmm. the way that look, somebody could say, oh, it was some, by chance. Maybe somebody on the TV yeah. said something. But what are the odds that it was that person's name? Yeah, that's and, wild. Right. And so that was the only thing. And then after that, it was very peaceful. And again, praying over your family, praying because you mm -hmm. really when you're dealing with these topics, it's heavy. You know, it's heavy to be oh, interviewing yeah. people about how they feel like they were possessed. Right. I mean, it's tough. Mm -hmm. So. Um, but yeah, I had a great experience after that. So, wow. Yeah. I think that really, you see, Paul talks about that a lot in, in the new Testament books talking about, you know, things like the the full armor of God and stuff like that. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. You know, we say that with our kids every single night, just because we're trying to, you know, make sure that they're aware of these things. You yep. know what I mean? You don't, you don't want to scare them, but you want them to be aware to know what's going on because we, you know, like it tells us in scripture, it's not a, it's not a battle between flesh and blood. Right. So really, so what opens up a person to these forces? You know, I think that is such an interesting question. And before I answer it, I will say that the one thing that struck me that I had never thought about is when you go through the New Testament and you look at all the stories of possession. Mm -hmm. And again, possession is, is rare. You know, it happens, but it's that's not the main way that people deal with spiritual affliction. That's a very intense, you know, you've invited something in. It's now taking you over. You don't mm -hmm. see that all the time. It happens. Uh, but we don't we're never told in the New Testament how any of those people got where they were. Yeah. And that seems by design. And I find it fascinating. We don't know how the little boy or how the little girl like we have right, no yeah. idea. And by the way, that opens up a lot of other questions. How did a child go through this? Right. What yeah, is that's that? scary. It is scary. And, and I think there's some interesting, you know, responses of how that's possible. But, you know, to answer your initial question, I, I think really. There are a number of things in, in scripture that we can look to that we are told to avoid, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. when you start to piece it all together, in, in the Old Testament in particular, it is incredibly clear, shockingly clear. In fact, I was just talking to another journalist who's a Christian, and we were going through the different scriptures where the Bible talks about what to avoid, psychics, mediums, communicating with the dead, all yeah. of these things that suddenly are pop culture phenomena, they're things that people are doing. I mean, you walk into a Barnes and Noble and the Ouija board is right there in the middle of the store. Yeah, it's all over the place. It's I, everywhere. I, I, I saw a story the other day, something about the tarot cards at McDonald's, right? Coming in. Yes. Yep. What What in the world? I mean, it's just like, like you said, it's just everywhere. It's so mainstream. And I think culture is trying to push an agenda, obviously. And we're seeing those things that also the transgender movement yep. and so on. We're, we're trying to make it seem like a norm. You know, we're putting it in kids meals. We're putting it on cartoons just so our kids that are coming up, they don't think that it's odd. You know, if, if you or me saw that on TV as a kid, I know the way that I was raised, I would automatically be looking at my parents being like, you know, what is this? You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Well, and I mean, it's happening with adults too. The Real Housewives, right? yeah. that whole franchise on Bravo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not so. I know people are probably like, "What in the world? Why are you bringing this up?" But, <laughs> yeah. but almost every season of that, they're going to see a psychic. They're going to. I mean, this is part of pop culture, and it's mm -hmm. moving. And look, I mean, and I talk about this in the book too. And the history of the Ouija board and some of these other things, you know, there there is a history of it becoming something that was kind of a phenomenon. But to see it being inserted, to have McDonald's partner up because Mercury's in retrograde, I mean, who yep. cares? Um, but to have McDonald's partner up with this person who, 
essentially as an astrologist and to then give out readings mm -hmm. um, is disturbing. And I, but I think this is how, when you wear people down in a culture to not believe in anything, here's the irony of it, right? Not to go too off, far off, but this is important. When you mm -hmm. wear them down to not believe in anything and that they're their own God, they're, they can yeah. make their own decisions. Well, we have a hole in all of us that, you know, this gaping sort of Absolutely. area that wants to find something. And so people are looking for it in these, in these dangerous places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. God puts that in there in hopes that we are searching after him, you know? Um, so do you think a person maybe that with like past trauma is more susceptible to these attacks from the demonic? Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, one of the things that I, I walked away with a lot of questions still, right, after writing, yeah. but one of the things that came up with therapists and Christians who work in mental health, um, because that's an important part of this, right, looking at the mental, the spiritual, there's part of the world says everything's only mental, and the other part of the world says everything's only spiritual. It's like, well, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we are complicated beings who God made us with multiple parts, and spiritual is a major piece of the puzzle. It seems like there are people, whether it's drug abuse, right? And this mm -hmm. is controversial. I mean, I've been in interviews where people have gotten annoyed when I've said this. Yeah. Drug abuse and being addicted would seem to open you up more potentially to something like this, right? Yeah. Evil is attracted to a lot of things. Trauma and abuse and things like that. I mean, that that is evil. I mean, evil is attracted or is involved in, in a lot of these different things. So my answer to that would be absolutely. It would it. And one of the therapists I talked to, yeah, I remember, I remember, first of all, there was a guy who I spoke with who said, look, you know, I can't think of a case that I had that didn't involve some spiritual element mm. that, that drug use. Right. So I think it's all connected. And absolutely. I mean, when something traumatic happens, why would evil not be attracted to that? And yeah, look, makes sense. if you have a mental illness, right, a legitimate mental illness that you're struggling with, why would there not be a spiritual component to that? Why would the enemy not try to take that in mm -hmm. against you? Just like any other struggle we might have, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if that answers that, but I would say yes. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so we see, like you talked about in Scripture, where we see several different references um, and, and talking about demons. But um, do demons have to have a host? Like we read in Matthew 8 where, you know, the demons has to be sent into the pigs. Or is it like how it is depicted in movies where you just— you know, you wake up and you see a figure standing in the corner, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. do they have to have a host or? Well, you know, it's interesting that you'd ask that too, because a lot of people will report seeing a black figure in a room, yeah. right? You know, that, that, yeah. and that would be an instance of, of an entity not having a host right now. It seems from what we see in scripture that they enjoy having a host right? like that. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they, we're watching Jesus heal people of it. The, the pigs element is really fascinating for a lot of different reasons. One of the most more controversial elements of, of this spiritual warfare and of, of this arena is whether or not a place could be mm -hmm. invested, right? A location. Yeah, yeah. And so this kind of speaks to what you're asking. Like if something really traumatic happens, you know, let's say it's an abortion, an illegal abortion clinic or whatever, and these right. horrible things are happening, is evil attracted to that? You know, mm -hmm. my barometer for everything is always to go back to scripture and, and look, right? Do I see, mm -hmm. do I see this thing in scripture? Is there an example of it? And we could talk about that with ghosts too, because I think that's an interesting topic. Um, and we don't really have examples in scripture of places, but that doesn't mean, I mean, we have an awful lot of stories that seem to be credible from people. Now, I think the real question that people will ask is, well, if you're saying that a place is quote unquote haunted, which 
you know, is there demonic activity there? Is yeah. it attached to the people living there and traveling with them? Or is it the place? So, you know, I I tend to go and I'll say that I tend to believe that, yes, it can be attached to a place. I, I That tends mm-hmm. to be my where I if you if you said you have to pick a side, I would say, yes, I think we we've seen that. And we know that we know that demons roam around and they and they look for hosts. Why would they not roam around and attract be attracted to specific places? So, but yeah, or maybe just just kind of distract us or put a put a darkness over a, a specific area, maybe. Maybe. And, and I think I'm cautious on it because, again, we don't I, I share a number of stories. Bob Cranmer out mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania in Playing With Fire. I tell his story. Um, but, but I do think if somebody were to come to me, cause again, my barometer is I go to scripture and look, you know, yeah. I'm a little hypocritical on this one because there's not a lot to pull from scripture and say, yeah. but I think the experiences that a lot of people have had, but again, that question goes back to, but is it attached to the person in some way, or are they looking to, are they attaching to those areas so they can try to find people to be victims? Right. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. And I think that that's one of the mysteries in all of this. Well, I kind of ask for a really kind of a personal reason, because I remember a time in my life when I was younger, I'm not going to go into great detail, but there was some issues going on with my family. And I can remember specifically playing in my room. I was probably four or five years old and seeing something in the corner of my eye. And I look over and I kind of see a figure going, walking down the hallway and it looks over in my room and kind of has a weird grinish smile on its face Hmm. and goes down into the next bedroom. It's, you know, you're a kid. You're like, what in the world's going on? So I go down, get up, go down to the next bedroom and just kind of look around. There was nothing in there. And there was at that time in my point in my life with my family growing up, there was, it was, um, there was just some things going on, some issues. So I, my, so that kind of goes back to that question. Like, do you think they kind of just seize opportunities maybe to come in? Because like I said, I grew up in a Christian home and we had, you know, went to church and things like that. But during this point in time, I don't know if maybe they sensed, something was going on and then they tried to attack in that sort of way. Yeah. No. And I, but, and I think that is very much what we often see happen, right? Like the enemy looks for your weak points. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there, there are so many examples of that. When you ask that question about, you know, trauma or abuse, and I think drug abuse, again, why would it not be attracted to those things? It's much easier to get people who are dealing with a crisis to, to let something in than it is people who are solid and not having those things go on around them. And yeah. so, and not, and I'm not saying in your case, there could even be a lot of fighting or a lot of things that are going on, you know, that are just not biblical, right. That can, can attract these things. Or is it possible that that place, somebody else had invited something into that place before, right. right? You, know, you talk about Ouija boards, you talk about, um, you know, yeah, I, there, there's just so much to un, to unpack in that. But when you when you initially ask, how do people invite it in? There are very specific ways too, like the Ouija mm-hmm. board, like the tarot cards. Like if you're trying to communicate with the dead, a you're not communicating with dead people, so don't buy that you're communicating with dead people. I, at least I don't believe you are. Um, you're communicating with evil, and B, you're commanded specifically not to do these things, and so they they are spiritually dangerous things to be doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and we, we even see that in the Bible where we know this like ghost, it's back to Bible days because we see in that text in Matthew where Jesus is walking to them across the water and they, that's what they say. He's, it's a ghost, you know? So this is, this is something that goes back to Bible times, right? Well, and that story brings up a lot of questions because people will say, but they said it's a ghost. So they must yeah. believe in ghosts. And I think that's a really interesting question because 
we, a lot of people believe in ghosts today, right? So yeah. why would people have not, it doesn't mean that people are dying and returning, you know, and returning and haunting. People have believed that throughout the beginning of time because they've had a spiritual experience. We can at least, no matter where people stand on this, they could say, even a lot of atheists would say, and if you poll them and you ask them, that they believe that maybe that ghosts or something else exists. So that's interesting, right? Like, why mm -hmm. do you believe that? Well, because since the dawn of time, people have had these spiritual experiences. You know, I think there are a couple of other places in scripture that open up some interesting conversation, right? When Jesus yeah. is crucified and, you know, and he dies, you have these people coming out of their tombs. It's like zombie land. I never even noticed it in scripture, you know, and, yeah. and they go back into Jerusalem and they're preaching to people. So these dead people who have come back now, they're not, they don't, they're not described as ghosts, right? Mm -hmm. um, that particular moment on the water is interesting because they use that word. So to me, at yeah. the least, we know there's a history of believing um, that if at least thinking that spirits were a thing, right? Right. Yeah. And then, and then you referenced too in your book about um, the book of Enoch, where some people believe that these demons are, are, um, what was the word? Ephilim? Nephilim. Is that right? Nephilim. Yeah. Yeah, that and that is really and this is one of those things. There are a lot of things in the church that we will fight about, right? Like the rapture mm -hmm. and you go down the line and oh, yeah. not that these things aren't important things to have viewpoints on, but they're not salvation issues, right? Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, no matter what demons are, whether they're fallen angels or Nephilim, whatever people believe, it doesn't change anything in terms <laughs> of what they do and what the goal is and what's going on. My one of the things I found really interesting is my understanding growing up was always that demons were fallen angels, right? That was yeah. how I was brought up. And the, this idea that people like Michael Heiser and others who and he's a well known theologian, who are respected believe this other theory is really intriguing. We don't know a lot about the, the Nephilim. There's only referenced a couple of times in scripture. And so you have to extend to the book of Enoch, which is an extra biblical book. It's not in right. the Bible, right? And yeah. there are a lot, I mean, I have relatives. I know people who will say it should have been, it should have been, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, and to me, this is when we talk about extending beyond the Bible. Now, I'm not saying the book of Enoch is referenced by Jude and it's even mm -hmm. quoted, right? So it yeah. was clearly of importance to, and I'm not a scholar on the topic, but to the Jewish people, it was something they were well aware of. And he found at least the portion that he was quoting to, to have some legitimacy to it, right? Or else he wouldn't have yeah. been. Um, but we have to be careful with a lot of these books. The idea that the Nephilim are, are somehow the the result of you know angels fallen angels mating with human women and that's what we end up with we end up with these beings who are wiped out by the flood and essentially are trying to re-embody themselves mm -hmm. you know i'm not look i'm not outright dismissing it i'm just saying scripturally we can't find that in the bible we do have to extend beyond the bible to find that explanation and so um you know it's interesting because i know a lot of people on both sides of that issue my, I always land on who really cares at the end of the day. Yeah, They're yeah. trying to do the same thing. It doesn't really matter what they are. Yeah. And, and I think that too, you can kind of get hung up on that kind of thing. And like you said, it's, it's not really a, a, a um, salvation issue. So I think the enemy definitely tries to use anything that he can to distract us. So you don't want to get sucked down that kind of wormhole where you're just trying to find out all you can about this and get distracted from you know, what your purpose is in life. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And, and I think too, being careful and recognizing yeah. that these books are good to like, it's great to read the book of Enoch and to understand it. But at the end of the day, where do you, where do you draw the line then? Right? Like, Cause we could pull a lot mm -hmm. of other things from a lot of other books that are not in scripture. So, so that's a tough, that's a tough one. It's a super compelling 
issue. Um, we know that Satan is a fallen angel. And, and yep. so the idea again would be that a lot of these other, a lot of these demons would be, I mean, who knows, maybe we'll get to heaven and we'll all find out there was a mixture and they were both. I don't know, but yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. We should not get hung up on these, on these things. Yeah. Yeah. You might find your play. You might find yourself somewhere where you don't want to be. Exactly. Um, so why do you think that it is, like you said earlier, Hollywood puts out, you know, more content every single year, especially around Halloween, you're going to find all these kind of scary movies and exorcism type movies and stuff like that. But why do you think that it is that people seek after the supernatural so much? I think it goes back to that, that hole, you know, the God's yeah. goal in everybody's heart, because people are fascinated by this because since again, the dawn of time, this has been something that people have experienced. And when you ask people the question, you've got almost half the country saying they believe in ghosts. A lot of people believe in demons and you know, it's interesting to see the the horror movie genre increase at a time when secularism is increasing. And there are, are a mm. number of researchers who have studied these issues. And when a culture does move away from, you know, the Judeo-Christian faith, there mm -hmm. is an increase in the occult. There is an increase. And again, it makes sense. I think for Hollywood, they're tapping into that intrigue. And to me, what that what that shows, and this is one reason why I wrote the book, and one reason why, to be honest, I have wanted to move on from the topic, but I don't think I will because I think there's a lot more <laughs> yeah. back is because this is a real opportunity. If people yeah. are going to movie theaters to watch conjuring films, they're clearly interested in the topic. Why are the people who have the answers not talking about it? And that that yeah. to me is the most unfortunate part. Are we afraid of looking weird? Are we afraid of looking crazy? Probably. Do we, are we intimidated? Do we not fully know? Or do we want to just tickle everyone's ears and, and only yeah. talk about, I, I don't know. There's a lot there, I think. Well, I think too, you know, I know we spoke before about this is not a topic that's, that's talked about in church very much, but I think, I don't think we need to put so much pressure on the church also too, because you think about it, a lot of people only go to church, you know, what Sunday morning, maybe. Yep. And so you're there for what, an hour and a half. So it's like, I, I get it from the, the, pulpit standpoint it's like i'm only getting some of these people in here for an hour and a half a week anyway so i don't want to do anything to run them off yeah. but at the same time they have you know responsibility to to preach you know and to teach what what is needed so i think in you doing that and others um kind of bringing this this subject and stuff to light it could definitely be helpful and useful because like you said if christians don't do it hollywood's going to go and twist it and make it what they want to right yeah, well, and and I think the other part of this, too, that's really interesting is we went out and asked people, and that's a, an important point that you just raised, too, because Hollywood can go and they can say whatever, and that's kind of what happened mm -hmm. here, right? Um, and then people have an improper idea, and especially when we're yeah. silent about it. Uh, but we went and asked church leaders, HarperCollins went and, you know, we had a, a quite a number of church leaders who we surveyed to say, Hey, and by church leader, it's not just pastor. It's people who run Bible studies, people mm -hmm. who run all sorts of different parts of the church. Do you believe that d demons exist? Do you believe that these are issues that are legitimate? They said, yes, absolutely. The vast majority of them said, yes, they believe this. But when you started asking the question, is your church doing enough? Only like 20% of them said, yes, that their mm -hmm. church, we're talking about this enough. These are the leaders in the church admitting that there's a massive gap between the recognition that these things are real and they're not talking about them. Now, I do yeah. have to note too, though, there's another side and there is a, a portion of the church, a facet of the church that obsessively talks about demons, right? And, mm -hmm. and that's also something we need to address. Like there's not a demon <laughs> under every rock. 
Not every yeah. bad thing that happened is yeah. caused by a demon. If you made a bad decision, maybe you were an idiot and did a bad thing and you need to mm -hmm. ask for forgiveness. You can't put everything. And there, you know, look, there are some other beliefs too. Anytime somebody has cancer, it must be because they weren't a good Christian. Anytime. Oh yeah. I mean that stuff and, and not just not a good Christian, they're being attacked spiritually or it's demonic. That is, that's problematic too, right? So mm -hmm. you've got to have a balance on it that is healthy, but you, you referenced Ephesians five before, and yeah. I would say Ephesians six is one of the most important parts of the Bible. Oh, yeah. I mean, here it is telling like literally Paul's telling us you are in the middle of a battle. It is spiritual. Mm -hmm. Your enemies are not the people in front of you and what's going on in culture right now. We're all fighting each other, right? Not yep. that you shouldn't take positions. Trust me. I take plenty of them. Anybody who follows me on Twitter knows Mm -hmm. You know, you take your position and you do it in a loving way, um, but you need to realize there's a bigger battle going on and that a lot of the things that we're watching happen, a lot of the evil that's going on, it's coming from somewhere. And if we do not tell people in the church that, gosh, yeah. I mean, I get the world not getting that, but if we don't know that, you can't win a war if you don't realize. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. It, it's like, I take it back to, you know, I, I played basketball a lot in high school and that was really the the main thing that I did, but I just referenced back to that. Whenever you're getting ready to play an opponent, what are you doing before, you know, leading up to the game, you're watching tape on them, you know, you're studying them. You want to know what you're up against, you know? So if we're neglecting to mention this stuff at all, how are people that are just watching Hollywood movies, you know, if we're not even equipped in the church, how are we supposed to expect those people to, to know the difference? Absolutely. And I think, and I think that is really the key here. Right. And, mm -hmm. and also understanding the full scope of our faith and understanding that, I mean, what, when you read Ephesians six, yeah, there's a battle going on. Yeah. You're in it, but what is the solution? Be a Christian, <laughs> yeah. the shield of faith. A lot of us are not doing that. I wasn't doing that before I worked on the book. And so at the end of the day, if two people read the book, Mm -hmm. Of course, I wanted people to read it because I wanted them to talk about it. I'm not a person who writes a book because I feel like I need to be out there getting attention for it. It's because I, I really care about the topic. But for me, it was a big blessing for me to kind of walk away and realize this is what it means. And I'm far from perfect, but to try to live that life and to do it and to be to have that protection as a result of it in the middle of this battle, in the middle of this war. And that's one reason so many kids, I mean, Survey after survey, and I love the, how you talk to your kids. I talk to my kids too. But yeah. survey after survey shows that by the time kids, you know, get out of college or even get to college, they've already lost so many elements of their faith because they haven't mm -hmm. been prepared for the war that they are already in, and that that is a huge piece of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely there's a big responsibility and ability on us as fathers, especially we see that in scripture um, time and time again, where. Basically, there's a there's a text in, in Genesis 18, I think it's 18, 17, where basically God is saying that he chose Abraham for this specific you know reason to raise his children in righteousness and justice. Right. And so I think there is a lot for us as men um, in general to step up and make sure that we are equipping our children the right way, because especially how you see culture going in the schools and the things that you're seeing taught and on TV, they're not going to get that anywhere else. You know, and like you said, if they're not even going to do it at church. You know, we definitely have to make sure that we are stepping up and equipping them, you know, because they're not going to get it anywhere else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, th this is really a major issue for us right now as we go into this crazy cultural disarray that that we're in. 
And if you don't want your kids to get enveloped into it and, you know, and I'm not saying, cause look, there are a lot of good Christian families that are dealing with things internally right now because mm -hmm. the external pressures are so heavy, but the best chance for your kids. And I believe, like, I believe if you raise your kids up, what Proverbs tells us that, you know, they will come back to it and that if you know, you've done it the right way that they yeah. will, but, but our kids are going to make their own decisions, but we've got to yeah. equip them and let the, and we need to let them know that evil exists, that it's real. Yeah, it's not a joke. It's not, you know, Satan likes to downplay it. Like I said before, he likes to make it seem comical, like it's funny and cute, but it's it's not. It's it's real life. Like it says in Ephesians, we we the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, you know. So it's it's real and we have to make sure that we are making that clear to our children. So um I just appreciate your time. Um, I'm gonna ask you one more question and then sure. I'll let you go. Um so as a Christian. Um, what can we do to help usher others around us who may not be aware, you know, of these dangers, maybe they're confused or whatever in their ideas. How can we do the best job that we can to usher them away from these dark forces? You know, I think having conversations is the key. I think, you know, it doesn't need to be playing with fire, but getting a resource for <laughs> them. You know, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person, go out and buy my book. Not, not at all. Yeah, I, mean, but I yeah. think having resources. That was, a good, that was a good spot for you to plug your book. Go buy I know, my I'm, book. I'm cautious yeah. to do that, you know, but I, but I think <laughs> like having a resource and one that's going to engage people. Um, I would even say like, look, you know, if you're looking for a starting point, I've got a lot of articles I've written on this topic. Um, I also have a free podcast playing the playing with fire podcast where mm -hmm. these topics are addressed. We have, I have ex witches on people who have been in all ex Satanists, people who have gone through a lot of this and that's a free resource. You can find it on you know, your favorite podcast platforms. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I, I would also say that having those honest conversations and encouraging pastors to talk about it in a healthy way. I think that's the real, the real struggle is like, if you're not sure, if you're not sure how to do it and how to like have the conversation, um, I, I think that's why a lot of people shy away from it. And a lot of faith leaders shy away from it. They know the need is there. And I also think it gives us a good lens for how we got here right now. A lot of Christians are looking at culture. They feel like they've woken up in the middle of nowhere and they're staring mm -hmm. out there trying to understand how did this happen in the last couple of years? You know, it's been coming right. like, how did we get here? And, and I do think we need to understand those forces that are behind so much of what we see happening. Mm -hmm, for sure. Um, well, just this just came to my mind real quick. Um, my pastor actually spoke about this last week, and he was talking about how he had someone call him and say that he was in the parking lot with a demon-possessed man, and he needed my pastor to come up there to to, to do an exorcism in a you know Waffle House parking lot or whatever it was. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and, and he said, my pastor said that he, something to the extent of he wasn't equipped, like he wasn't given those spiritual gifts or whatever like that. Where do you stand on that? Like, cause you see in movies, it's always usually like a Catholic priest that comes and does an exorcism. Yeah. Where do you stand on something like that? Yeah. You know, my view is that I think we have this idea that exorcism is spinning heads in pea soup, vomiting out of people's mouths and all this craziness. And, you know, there can be crazy. Again, there are those exceptions where there are, are crazy things going on that's going to happen. But I think any Christian who is solidly living as a believer, you know, can go in and, and, and pray over a person and help mm -hmm. them. I think, you know, if we believe that Jesus is all powerful you know, and I struggle with this too. You know, why do we, why do we think we need all these devices, you know, crucifixes and all this other stuff yeah. to do this? Now, 
there were some people in the Protestant world I talked to who who said that they have seen certain demons react to some of those items. Like, you know, mm. but but and, and we do also see Jesus say that there are certain demons that require prayer, right? Exactly. That. So, yep. so I'm not closing the door on those things, but what I am saying is I think it's way easier than most people think. And I don't really believe that you need to be a trained, you know, mm -hmm. exorcist to go and do it, but you do need to be quote unquote trained and understand what all this means and yeah, you need to be grounded. Exactly. And, and so because then you're, you know, look, it's if you don't have Christ in you and you're not living the right way, you think these things are going to be afraid. Like that's where the authority <laughs> comes from, right? <laughs> right. Um, I mean, how many, when they encountered Jesus, they were terrified of him every single time. They knew exactly mm -hmm. who he was and they did not want to interact. They didn't want to deal with him like they were mm -hmm. afraid of him. So anyway, that to me is the key. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well. Like I said before, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, no and then lastly, closing out, um, we, we've been talking for, you know, whatever it is, 35, 40 minutes. And so I'd be missing an opportunity if we didn't talk about darkness, if we didn't tell you about the light. So basically what I, what I want to do right now is just um, give the plan of salvation. If that's something that you're okay with real quick. Absolutely. Um, okay. So bottom line, if you're out there today and you've never accepted Jesus into your life, it's, it's very simple. He did everything. Um, he did all the work. He's knocking on the door of your heart today, um, proving that he did that work with a nail pierced hand. You know, he, he took all the sins of the world on him to give you a chance. We have that gift of free will. So if you've never said that prayer before, maybe something that was said today kind of sparked your interest. And I don't think that that was either of us speaking. I think that was the Holy Spirit using us. We we're just vessels um, trying to do the best that we can to point others to Christ. So if you have never said this prayer before, it's as easy as A, B, C. A, you acknowledge that you're a sinner. B, you believe that Christ is who he says he is and did what he says that he has done for you, which is died on the cross for you. And then C, call on his name. It's as simple as that. So if you've never done that before, you can say this prayer after me. Um, there's millions of different ways you can do it in terms of words that you can say. And it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the belief in Jesus Christ. So um, if you want to just repeat this prayer after me, just Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that apart from you, um, you know, I, I am just hopeless. So I pray right now, Lord, that you would forgive me my sins and come into my life and come into my heart and be the Lord and savior of my life. And I thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. Like I said, it's not the words. Um, you can say it however you want to do it. Um, but right now, if you said that prayer or something along those lines, the Bible tells us that the angels in heaven are rejoicing because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so congratulations if you said that prayer today. That's the number one most important decision that you will ever make. So um, with that, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Billy. Um, the book, you, um, you want to tell people where to get the book? Absolutely. You, know, you can go over to Amazon. You can go wherever books are sold, or you can head over to my website at billyhollowell.com. And thanks for ending with that, because that is what it's all about. This is not yeah. to scare people. It's not to freak them out. It's to point them back to the hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, think, um, I think I heard you say it in, in another interview before that really the, the main takeaway that you took from writing this book is like just the need for grace. Absolutely. You know, that is in, and I know one thing I read, um, John Cooper's book, and that was one thing that he said is like the proof of grace in our lives is just that we're not living in like hell on earth. You know what I mean? Just yep. that grace that, that Christ has for us. is just unbelievable. But, but, um, so like I said, I'll, I'll let you go. 
Um, thank you so very much for listening, guys. Thank you, Billy. Go check out his book if you haven't. And we'll see you guys next week. Go get going.